You're listening to the Metro LA Podcast, an official podcast of the LA International Church of Christ. Good morning, everybody. Robert Carrillo here in Metro Vision Studios. It's good to be together. I want to welcome you, friends, family, neighbors, relatives, everybody who's joining us today. Uh, thanks for being with us and uh, welcome to being here. Also, I want to give a special shout out to, there's a group in San Francisco that watches us, uh, to the Chacon family and the house church there. Greetings to you. Um, it's good to have you with us. Today we're going to do something a little bit different. We're going to just do a simple little Bible study together. Um, I think a study that's very important. Uh, the, the, the specifically, the uh, we're going to the book of Mark, which kata markon, that means according to Mark, which is what the gospel's called. And we're going to study what's called a pericope or, or a set of teachings that all kind of work together. There's some healings involved. There's some phrases involved that tie into the healing. Sometimes, you know, we read through the gospels and we think Jesus was just kind of out wandering around saying really cool stuff. Actually, everything he taught and everything he did was very strategic. I mean, he would talk about seeing and hearing, and then he would help somebody to see and help somebody to hear. That was not coincidental. That was part of the strategy of helping us to learn, helping us to understand. And, you know, I think that a lot of spiritual growth, a lot of spiritual development is us being able to see and understand things. It's us being able to hear and perceive, and 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 that requires us to be good listeners, as I've said before, I think it's why God gave us two ears and, 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 uh, one mouth so that we would listen twice as much as we talk. Um, and he gave us two eyes so that we would see well, that we would see all that he is showing us. Um, so it's a pericope about seeing and hearing, and it's all in the book of Mark. And it's kind of like, you could call this a day in the life of Jesus, right? Jesus trying to help us get it. You know, help us to understand what's going on. And so that's our Bible study. Let's go ahead and have a prayer and then we'll jump right in chapter 7 of Mark, of the Gospel of Mark in verse 31. But let's go ahead and pray first. Father God, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for the Bible. We thank you for the Gospels. We thank you especially that Mark took the time working with the Holy Spirit to record what Jesus taught and said. Father, we know that his words are life. His words save us. His words guide us along and his words make all the difference in the world, God. And we pray, Father, that we'll be good listeners that we'd be good at, at seeing what you want us to see and hearing the things that you're telling us, Father. And that, uh, Father, will, in a sense, if, when we open our Bibles, we'll close our mouths and just listen and learn and grow from it, God. Thank you for the Bible. Please bless our Bible study, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so Mark chapter 7. Um, as I said a minute ago, you know, there's a there's an outline here. In chapter 7, he, he heals a deaf person. Uh, in chapter eight, there's a compassion event of where he sees the needs and he straightens out misunderstandings. So trying to have, always Jesus was trying to help us have the correct religion, right? To get rid of bad religion and help us to, to think right and pray right and be right instead of just trying to be religious people. 
And uh, then, so he's, he preaches, then there's the healing of a blind person, and then there's the revelation of who is Jesus. That's the basic outline. And actually, I'm going to go one more step because there is another healing after that that's that's significant. And I think important for us to get it. You know, we, we've got to get it. We've got to understand this. And we, in our ministry, in our church, We're trying to move forward spiritually. We're trying to get stronger in the Lord, right? If you've been with us over the past few weeks, and many of you have, you know that we are, we are very intentional, intentional about growing spiritually, getting closer to God and loving each other and all that that requires. But what it means is we've got to hear some things clearly and we've got to see some things clearly and we need to act on those things that we are hearing and seeing. We don't want to be that heart that ever, that's the hard heart that the word just bounces off and that it doesn't change us. We want to be the soft heart that every time we listen to God's word, it changes us a bit. It changes the way we think, which changes the way we feel, which changes what we do. And we're becoming more and more like Jesus as Jesus is pushing us forward spiritually. And even during the pandemic, we are moving forward. So we'll we'll jump into Mark chapter 7, verse 31. He says, then Jesus left the vicinity of Tyre and went through Sidon, down to the Sea of Galilee and into the region of the Decapolis. There are some some people brought to him a man who was deaf and could hardly talk. And they begged Jesus to place his hand on them, on him. After he took him aside away from the crowd, Jesus put his fingers into the man's ears. Then he spit and touched the man's tongue. He looked up to heaven and with a deep sigh said to him, if which means be opened. At this, the man's ears were opened, his tongue was loosened, and he began to speak plainly. Jesus commanded them not to tell anyone, but the more he did so, the more they kept talking about it. People were overwhelmed with amazement. He has done everything well, they said. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. And of course, this is, this is classic Jesus' ministry. And, uh, I love it that I, I'm not sure what, you know, why he did the thing of putting his fingers in his ear and putting spit and touching his tongue. I, I think that was for us because you know, he could have probably just looked at him and healed him, but it means more to us when he actually does something. It's literally the personal touch, you know, and, and, and so many people that had, that had leprosy, but not just them that had deformities or, or were social out, were social outcasts. Nobody would touch them. Nobody, they wouldn't even acknowledge them. And it's the same today. If you've ever been to a third world country or an impoverished country and, and you walk down the street and there's tons of people on the streets and there's even children and everybody just ignores them. They walk by, they don't even, they act like they don't even exist. But what does Jesus do? Boom. He stops and he addresses him. But not only does he address him, he touches him. That personal touch makes a huge difference. What does it communicate? It communicates love. And we know that. So Jesus heals this person. It's a big deal. Of course, he tells him, don't tell anybody. What does he do? He goes and tells everybody. I don't know if that was reverse psychology or he really did want him not to say anything, but he went out and told everybody about it. And people were amazed. I mean, you know, it's incredible because people, they, 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 they come to even the slightest idea or the slightest hint of a miracle. People will flock to that. You know, I remember I lived in Miami and, and a window washer said he saw the image of Mary in a window 
And he reported it. And the next day, there was lines of cars trying to get by and look at that image. And then it was just kind of a crazy thing. I mean, it was clearly the Windex and it kind of a shape of kind of a woman, but not really in the first you know, by, by within a day or two, it was gone. Or remember the, to- the French toast that was in the image of Jesus. And it didn't really look like, just kind of looked like Jesus. And it sold for like $7,000 on eBay. You know, somebody actually bought that, you know, just the slightest hint of a miracle. People flock to that. Imagine Jesus is really healing people. The blind are seeing, the deaf can hear, the mute are speaking. I mean, this really happened, and he did it more than once. But these people knew these people. They knew this wasn't a trick. There wasn't somebody that was brought in an entourage to, to, to look like a miracle. They knew these people. They knew the miracle that had happened. So we continue in chapter 8. Let me move forward here. Chapter 8, we read in verse 1, During those days... Another crowd gathered. Since they had nothing to eat, Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion for these people. They have already been with me three days and have nothing to eat. If I send them home hungry, they will collapse on the way because some of them have come a long distance. His disciples answered, but where in this remote place can we get enough food, enough bread to feed them? How many loaves do you have? Jesus asked. Seven, they replied. He told the crowd to sit down on the ground. And when he had taken the seven loaves and given thanks, he broke them and gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people as they did so. And they did so. They had a few small fish as well, and he gave thanks for them and also told the disciples to distribute them. The people ate and were satisfied. Afterwards, the disciples picked up seven basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. About 4,000 were present. After he had sent them away, he got into the boat with his disciples and went to the region of Dalmanusha, Dalmanatha. The Pharisees came and began to question Jesus. To test him, they asked him for a sign from heaven. Okay, so, so they, they, they go and, and, and once again, Jesus is in front of a large crowd and they're hungry and they're tired. Okay, he'd already fed the 5,000. That already happened. This is another scene. And the disciples, what are they saying? They're saying, but where in this remote place can anyone get enough bread and feed them? Wait a second. It was only a couple of chapters earlier that they fed 5,000 people with only a few fishes and a few loaves of bread. Are they getting it? Clearly not. And Jesus is trying to teach them, trying to show them, but they have to see they have to hear what he's saying and they have to see what he's doing and understand what that means. What does that mean for us? And so the Pharisees in verse 11 came and began to question Jesus to test him. They asked him for a sign from heaven. I mean, come on, feeding 4,000 people with a couple of loaves of bread and fish. I think it was plenty good sign, but they wanted more. And he says, why does this generation ask for a sign? Truly, I tell you, no sign will be given to it. Then he left them, got back into the boat, and crossed to the other side. The disciples had forgotten to bring bread because one, because except for one loaf they had with them in the boat. I mean, I, I have to tell you, okay, so, so I had a professor that we, we, we went through the gospel of Mark. And he, he said, he said, you know, Mark, okay, Mark is a special gospel. 
It's, it's very straightforward. It's very direct. It's not very smooth. It's very blunt. And it doesn't smooth any of the events. And, and, uh, he would say, he would say that there's no way that the God, that the, the apostles wrote these gospels because the fact is they look like idiots in the gospels. Had they written it, they would have smoothed it out and they would have been the ones that figured it out and made themselves look good. Clearly the Holy Spirit wrote it because they look multiple times like complete idiots. That's what he said. And I was, I was sitting there in class going, Oh my gosh, can you call the apostles idiots? Are you going to get struck by lightning for that? But, but as you read through Mark, you see so many dumb things, you know, and, and then I think, Oh my gosh, I've done all these things. I've, I've seen God do amazing things and then wondered if he could help me with something. You know, and, and we're, we're really not any better than they are, but we get to read about them and we get to see. So they got, they picked up seven basketfuls of leftovers and they get in the boat with one piece of one loaf of bread. And he says, and, and he says, be careful. Jesus tells them, be careful. Jesus warned them. Watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and that of Herod. He tells them, watch out for the yeast of Pharisees. Okay. What do you think that is? What is the yeast of Pharisees. And it says that the apostles, they discussed this with one another and said, ah, it is because we have no bread. They were totally missing it. Totally not getting what Jesus was trying to show them. Aware of their discussion, Jesus asked them, why are you talking about having no bread? And okay, I'm, I'm putting a tone in this, but I'm imagining this was Jesus' tone. Why are you talking about having no bread? Do you still not see or understand? Are your hearts hardened? You know, and again, back to my earlier reference. Is it bouncing off? Are you learning? Are you growing? Are you changing? We've had a lot of challenging sermons on Sunday morning. Is it changing you? What have you changed since last Sunday? Did you get open about something? Are you, are you, are you being honest with everyone? Are you coming clean? Are you in the light? Are you being real? Is there something you needed to get open about? This is, see, if not, if you, if you, things that you still haven't opened up about or shared or gotten help with, then you're, the, it's just bouncing off. And this is what Jesus is telling him. Is, is your heart hard? Do you have eyes but don't see and ears but don't hear? And don't you remember when I broke the five loaves for the 5,000? How many basketfuls of, Basketfuls of pieces did you pick up? Twelve, they reported, they replied. And when I broke the seven loaves for the four thousand, how many basketfuls of pieces did you pick up? They answered seven. He said to them, do you still not understand? He was trying to get them to see. This is what, this is what God is trying to do with us. He's trying to get us to see the power and the goodness and the love of God. He's trying to get us to see it. We need to really see it because we can walk around blind. We can have eyes and not see. We can have ears and not listen, not pay attention and not get it and just be a bunch of religious people. The world is full of religious people who have zero impact in the world, who make no difference at all in this world. And our world is hurting so bad. There's so many problems in it. Why? Because it's far from God. And it doesn't know Jesus. And it's not knowing the way. It's not knowing the truth. And it's certainly not achieving the life. 
Our world needs Jesus. And so he tells them, do you still not understand? You need to get it. God is powerful. God is amazing. And then we come across another situation. They came to Bethsaida, Bethsaida, and some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. Sorry. Jesus, to touch him, he took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village. When he had spit on the man's eyes and put his hands on him, Jesus asked, do you see anything? He looked up and said, I see people. They look like trees walking around. And once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes. And then his eyes were opened. His sight was restored and he saw everything clearly. Jesus sent him home saying, don't even go into the village. So here's another situation. Coincidence? No. So he goes and heals this man. And what happens? And he does the personal touch. He's, he, he spits on the man's eyes and puts his hands on him. And the man looks up and, and, and he says, people look like trees. He can't see very well. He's not seeing clearly. And then so Jesus gives him the second touch. And this time he sees clearly. So what happened there? Was Jesus like low, running low on power supply? Was it an off day and couldn't quite heal it the first time? He had to give it a second shot? Or was he showing us who we are? That sometimes we don't see clearly. And we think we do. We see things, but not as they really are. And we need another touch. We need more Jesus to really help us see clearly and understand clearly. I remember when I was a young Christian and, and I saw this really corny sci-fi movie. I don't even know what it's called. I think it was called They Came From Outer Space or something like that. And it was this wrestler. It was a wrestler and I didn't know anything about wrestling. So I didn't even know who he was. As my friends of mine told me later who he was, but he was a wrestler. And in the movie, this guy's like, just, you know, whatever guy, kind of a drifter. And he sees this scene of these cops chasing these people. They look like scientists and they escape and they drop these pair of glasses. And he sees them and he, they're like sunglasses. He picks them up and he puts them on. And all of a sudden he sees all the billboards are saying like, obey the government, do what the police say, do what your superior says, uh, be humble and, and obey the, 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 the system or whatever. It's like, do not ask questions. Do not use your brain, you know, do what, uh, only what everybody says. Just, it was basically the movie was the whole society was being brainwashed, but didn't know it. And these glasses allowed him to see. And he also saw that there was a lot of robots running around. They weren't real people and they weren't the real thing. And all of a sudden with these glasses, he was introduced to a whole new world. And I thought, that's what happened to me when I became a Christian. All of a sudden I could see things that I never saw before. I could see, not only could I see my sin, which was shocking, but I could see everybody else's sin as well. And I began to see, wow, this is what causes these problems. And this is why the, my family had these issues. And this is what went wrong. And I could see, and I could see what went wrong. I could see why it went wrong. And I could see the solution. Jesus. 
doing things God's way. And because I can see that now, it has been a blessing to my entire life. I have a great marriage. I have a great family. Not perfect, not without problems, not without challenges, but I have, a, I have so much hope all the time. I don't have to fear anybody. I don't have to fear what's going to happen in the economy. I don't have to fear what's going to happen in the streets. I don't have to fear what's going to happen with the elections. I don't have to fear what's going to happen with the future of our world. Because I have Jesus and I can see him. And I know the solution. And I know the way out. And it's not that I'm not concerned. I'm not detached and I don't care about everybody. No, I care deeply. I care what's happened to people. I care that there be justice. I care that things be made right. But I know how it's going to happen. And it's not going to happen by a political system or a political leader or a philosophy or an ideology. It's going to happen through Jesus. And that's what he's shown me. And that's what he's trying to show all of us. Sometimes we don't get it right away. Sometimes everything's blurry and people look like trees. And that's okay. Keep going back to Jesus. So you can see clearly. So we can not only see but perceive. Keep listening so that we hear and we understand. Jesus and his disciples went on to the villages around Caesarea Philippi. On the way he asked them, who do people say I am? Now, this, a lot of that was a setup for this. For this. Jesus' and disciples went out to villages around Caesarea and they said, he asked, who do people say that I am? What is he doing? He's revealing himself. Remember, he didn't want anybody saying who he was. In fact, he even avoided the term Messiah. When people asked, he didn't use that term. He used the term son of man, which is a very confusing term. A term that he could give his own definition to. People already had a definition of Messiah. But they knew that somebody was going to come to save the world. They knew that. And he says, who do you say I am? And Peter, gotta love Peter. Always jumping out there first, saying, always saying whatever's on his mind. Many times wrong, but sometimes brilliant. Peter answered, you are the Messiah. I mean, he got it right. And we know from Matthew, Jesus tells him, Peter, you are, you know, little rock or little rocky, and I'm going to build my church on the Messiah thing, and, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. And I mean, you know, but he said, but I'm going to give you the keys of the kingdom. Peter gets to give the, the big speech in Acts 2 that opens the door to the kingdom of God. That's pretty awesome. But then, he doesn't stop there. He then began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed, and after three days he would rise again. He spoke plainly about this. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. <laughs> Wait a second. It went right to Peter's head. <laughs> now he thinks he can rebuke Jesus. Then he takes him aside and he rebukes Jesus. I mean, ima- I, I can't even imagine... Grabbing Jesus and trying to rebuke him. His heart was in the right place. He didn't want Jesus to die. That's why he did it. But his head wasn't in the right place. And in verse 33, it says, But when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter. Get behind me, Satan. He said, You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. 
And this is really, really important. It's why we need to see. It's why we need to hear what God is telling us. Because otherwise we just have human concerns. Well, I'm worried about this. I'm worried about that. And I want this and I want that. And, and I can't, I don't want this to happen. And we get all caught up in that instead of the concerns of God. What the world needs is love. And we serve the God of love, the God who is love. The world does not know the Bible. We know the Bible. The world does not know who the Holy Spirit is. We know him. The world does not know Jesus. We know him. We know what's important. We know what really matters. We know the answers. We can't be caught up in just merely human concerns. And we have to understand that. That applies to the metro region, wherever church you're in, your life, the life of the church, the future of the church, that we're doing God's will. Jesus said when you pray, pray what? That the will of God be done. That things be on earth as they are in heaven. Because it's not happening in our world. Jesus said the ruler of this world is who? Yeah. It's so important that we get this. That we get it. That we understand. We're his disciples. We're the ones who know him. We're the ones who can listen to him. We're the ones that our Bibles are all beat up because we've been carrying them and reading them for years. We know Jesus. The world desperately needs people who see, who hear, who understand, who perceive, and follow Jesus. So we continue reading. Verse 34. Move forward for you guys. Then he called the crowd to him along with the disciples and said, whoever wants, excuse me, let me push push forward. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet forfeit their soul? See, if you don't understand or you don't see who Jesus is, why would you give up everything for him? Jesus said the kingdom of God is like a pearl of great value that the merchant sold everything he had to get that pearl. Everything he had. Because it's that valuable. Or the person who found a treasure in a field and he went and sold everything he had to buy that field. It's that important. Jesus said, let the dead bury the dead. You go and proclaim the kingdom of God. It's that urgent that we get the importance of the kingdom of God and of what we're doing, spreading the gospel and advancing the kingdom of God. And for that, it's worth my life. It's worth devoting everything we've got to it. He said, whoever wants to be a disciple must deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. <laughs> Not the message if you're trying to be popular. It's <laughs> the first thing he says, deny yourself. Oh, wow, that's a popular message. Especially in a world that hates self-denial. Take up your cross, even worse. 
a world that hates suffering, that considers any kind of suffering as something went wrong. He said, take up your cross and follow him. To be bold enough to try to be like Jesus every day. To try to be a Jesus at home. To try to be Jesus at work. To try to be Jesus wherever we go. And he says, whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me, for the gospel, will save it. I think sometimes we forget that. What good is it to get way up in the career, to save tons of money for our retirement, to get way ahead in school? If we're not with Jesus, we'll lose it all. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? We have to take care of our souls. Our our souls are the most precious thing we have. That's what continues. Everything else is going to burn or decay. Everything else. But not our souls. In a thousand years, I'll be around. We'll be bumping into each other, hopefully, right? In heaven. Because that will endure. And what's really cool is we get a brand new body. For our souls. If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in his adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his Father's glory and with the holy angels. Jesus was a hard line about this. We got to get this. We got to understand this. And he said to them, Truly I tell you, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see that the kingdom of God has come with power. And here's the, here's the, Here's the kicker is he, he says, some of you guys, you're going to see the kingdom of God arrive. We knew not all of them. Judas wouldn't see it. But Peter would, Matthew would, John would, all of them would. And, 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 and I think they're, they're, they're an inspiration for us because, no, we don't all get it. And no, we don't see everything. And no, we don't have it all down. But we're growing, right? We're growing spiritually. And we're getting closer and closer to God. And, and, and hopefully closer and closer to each other. To fulfill the greatest commandments. I want to close in chapter 10. In verse 46, there's a lot more events that point to the same thing about understanding. In chapter 10... He says in verse 46, Then they came to Jericho as Jesus and his disciples together with a large crowd were leaving the city. A blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He's shouting. I mean, clearly this guy gets it. He knows how valuable a connection with Jesus's. And many rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. You need help. Shout it out. You need, you need to get, if you need to, if you, if you're being held back by a sin, shout it out, get help. If you got addictions pulling you down, shout out for help. 
Whatever the need is. I think Jesus loved this guy because he wasn't afraid of being loud to get Jesus' attention. Jesus stopped and said, call him. And I love this because normally Jesus walks to them. He says, call him. He knows this guy. This guy gets it. He's got faith. He says, call him. I mean, that's almost kind of cruel. He's blind. Time to come over here. So they called to the blind man. Cheer up on your feet. He's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside. He jumped to his feet. Look, I mean, close your eyes and jump. That's scary. He jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. That's faith. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. I want to see. Simple question. Simple plea. Simple request. I think sometimes we're not getting it. And we see other people get excited and growing and changing. We just need to humble out and say, Jesus, Rabbi, teacher, I want to see. Help me to see this. Help me to get this. Help me to have a fired up heart. Help me to be full of zeal. Help me to be bold in my faith. Help me to get it and understand. Help me to be the fourth heart. Go, Jesus said. Your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. He got to see. And he followed Jesus. And now he had a sight. There's a lot of things he could have done. Could have went out and got a job for the first time, probably. Could have went out and did a lot of things. But you know what he wanted to do? He just wanted to follow Jesus. When you see, and when you hear, when you perceive, and when we understand, it's the most important thing to us, guys, is that we follow Jesus. Jesus in the morning when I get up. Jesus at noon. Jesus at work. Jesus at home. Jesus at dinner. Jesus at night. Jesus in the day. We just want to be with Jesus. Because we know he's the way, the truth, and the life. (laughs) He knew. Bartimaeus, he knew. He wasn't going to let anybody stop him. He wasn't going to let anybody steal away his chance to be with Jesus. Every gospel presents Jesus in a different light. I want to encourage you this fall to read through the gospels. The gospels are like, they're like a house that you're trying to see what's inside. And each gospel, one is on the front, one is on the back, one is on the side, one is on the other side. They're all a little different, but they all give us a view of Jesus. And I would say the book of Hebrews is like a drone shooting a shot from above. And you get to see the whole house. Because that's the book of Hebrews. I want to encourage us all to push forward this fall. To say, I want to see. I want to understand. Let this fall be your greatest time spiritually ever. Well, you're walking with God. We're going to be doing classes. How to have a great walk with God. 
how to forgive each other, how to work out problems in relationships, how to give your heart. Let's show the world the real thing. First, it starts with us, seeing, hearing, and understanding. God bless. You've just listened to the Metro LA Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit metrolaregion.com.